welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. God's Word. Father, we thank you. Um, Your Word, Your Word, it stands forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. We want to learn from it, live by it, have it in us. And I pray that we would take something from Your Word, the preaching of Your Word, uh, and that we can apply it to our lives for Your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, today we're starting a series on the life of Peter. And, um, and you may ask, why are we doing that? Well, maybe the, the answer to that would be, well, why, why not? He's, he's such a character. Um, it's hard to ignore him. When you read the New Testament, you, you, you just start flipping through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and this guy really jumps off the pages, doesn't he? And uh, you, you surely want to find out a little bit more about what's going on in his life, where he came from, how he met Jesus, uh, how he followed Jesus, how he denied Jesus, <laughs> how he came back to Jesus, and then he was how, how he was used by Jesus as an apostle uh, in the early church. And um, he's that classic larger-than-life figure, isn't he? He, um, he was, of course, a, a fisherman, but he became a disciple and then an apostle and then a preacher and an elder and a, a contributor to the New Testament in, in writing and, uh, and finally, by all accounts, a martyr uh, for Jesus, his Lord, his Saviour, his friend. And, um, and perhaps what we love most about Peter when we read about him is this personality that... Uh, some of us can relate to because he's he's not altogether polished, is he? <laughs> he hasn't got his act together. He's outspoken. He's a bit raw with his emotions. He's given to some pretty pretty emotional outbursts at times, um, which is just great because surely when you read that, you think, well, if God could use him, maybe there's hope for me too. And uh, as as the great uh, pastor and author F. B. Meyer wrote. Peter comes nearer to us than any of his fellow apostles. Peter is so human, so like ourselves in his down moments and glorious moments, so entangled with weaknesses that we're encouraged to hope that perhaps the great potter may be able to make something even of our common clay. (laughs) Isn't that well written? Um, And so as we read about Peter in the New Testament and study his life over the next few weeks, you know, not only can we learn lessons from his life that we can apply to our own lives, but we can also get to see Jesus up close through someone who was up close, who walked with him, who was impacted firsthand by the earthly ministry of Jesus. Um, So the first time we see Peter, It's pretty early on in all the gospel accounts, all four of them, uh, and we'll touch on each one of them. And each one records slightly different details, but they all relate to the calling that Jesus sent out to Peter to say, follow me, and how he responded. So 
Let's look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4.18 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. Well, we'll get on to that. Um, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's the NIV. Traditional rendering is, I will make you fishers of men. But of course, the word he uses that was often translated men, it's a Greek word meaning all people. So Jesus says, I will make you or I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, Mark, I won't read it because it's, it's pretty much the same account, same uh, details. When you read Luke, he actually adds a little uh, anecdote that Peter was fishing. Oh, sorry, Peter had been fishing, finished with his fishing, and there he is cleaning his nets. Jesus comes along and says, why don't you just send your boat out again and uh, go and catch some fish? And Peter says, well, Lord, I'm not, you know, really trying to have a go at you, but I'm a fisherman and I've been fishing all night and I didn't catch anything, uh, but all right, I'll do it. And this miracle occurs. He ends up catching so much fish, he has to get another boat to help him. They get two boats overloaded with fish. And then we re read as a result of that miraculous incident in Luke chapter 5, it says, Simon Peter saw this, all the fish, the miracle, he fell at the feet of Jesus and said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. So he's, he's shocked by his conviction of sin. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Now, we're talking about Peter, but of course you'd be forgiven for wondering who's this Simon character they keep mentioning. Uh, and this is explained in John's account. So as you probably know, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospel according to John. And he wrote in John 1.42, he brought him to Jesus. That's Andrew, who was involved in bringing Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. And said, you are Simon, son of John, or Simon Bar-Jonah. Some translations say Bar-Jonah, meaning Bar, meaning son of. And then Jesus said, but you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So I want you to notice with me five things this morning about the call of God that came onto Peter. The first one is that the call on Peter's life involved a name change. Because as you realise when you read through that, there's a few different names floating around. So he was named Simon by his parents, which was a Hebrew name. And, it, and, and Hebrew names often in the Bible carry a lot of weight because they carry meaning. And the meaning relates to someone's personality or character or calling and destiny that people see on their life. And so interestingly, Simon was... Peter was known as Simon, named Simon, and his and the name Simon means to listen. And so he was listening, and we heard a great message from Hudson last week about listening to God. And Simon did get to listen to Jesus when he came past and called him. 
And as I mentioned, Simon Bar-Jonah or Simon son of John is, or Simeon even is a variation of his name that you read about. And then Jesus comes along and says, Simon, and he goes, yes, you'll be Peter. I'm calling you Peter. And you can imagine Simon, especially when you get to know his character a little, you can imagine he would have just said, well, no, my name's not Peter, mate. It's Simon. And Peter would have just probably gone, well, I'm the boss. You'll be Peter. Uh, okay. And, and so there's this change. And, and Jesus is not just doing a power play here saying, listen, I'm, I've got authority and I'm going to change your name just for the sake of it. What's going on is a proclamation of God's destiny, of the will of God, of the call of God that is coming on this guy's life. And of course, we also need to explain that word Cephas because Jesus in the book of John says, you'll be called Cephas. So Cephas is Aramaic. The language of Aramaic was commonly spoken all around that area by Jesus and his disciples. But the Greek language is the language that was spoken and written, the written language all over the Roman world, the known world at that time, and the language that the New Testament was written in. And so that's why it says Cephas, which when translator, translated is Peter. So Petros in Greek is Peter in English. So there's all the names of Peter. But the point is the name meant, the name Peter or Cephas means rock. And so what Jesus was saying is, you've listened to God, that's good, but now I'm going to call you Peter because I'm going to make you solid and sturdy and stable and you're going to be a pillar, a part of my church that I'm going to build on. And it's interesting because his mates around the place would have heard this and they would have heard and would have understood the the meaning of the name and, and the fact that names carried a lot of meaning and they would have heard Jesus say, you'll be Peter, and they might have thought, wrong name. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a rock at all. He's a bit flighty. Call him fire, fiery or, or, or aggro or just not Peter, really? And so this is what happens with the call of God. Jesus sees potential beyond the current personality or character or the outward appearance. And... Uh, in fact, you know, the book of Romans says, God calls those things which are not as though they are. God sees things which no one else can see and he calls them into being. He speaks faith and he sees, Jesus sees Peter and says, you're a rock. And he's like, really? I, no one else says I'm a bit, yeah. but he will be. And this is the, the language of faith. This is the power of the call of God who can see stuff that no one else even ourselves can't see in our own lives and Peter might not have seen that but he ended up stepping into that destiny and and of course uh, it was a prophetic declaration over his life now of course you don't have to literally change your name to find and follow the call of God on your life but there is a sense where God calls you and see something in you that others might not see, that you might not have seen. And you should listen to what God says about you because we've heard so many other people calling us something, naming us something. At its worst, you hear people say, oh yeah, I was always called an idiot or a loser or the teacher said you'll never amount to anything or maybe they had really bad family experience and some person just wrote them off with power of words, crushing them, spirit being 
broken and their self-esteem being shot. But you know, when you come to God, he says, I love you. You're my child. I forgive you. He professes good things over your life. He declares great promises over your life that you can step into. And he tells you, if you want to listen, who you can be, who you are in Christ. Your identity can be completely built on who God says you are, not on how good you are at something, not on how much money is in your bank account or how many friends you've got or how good looking you are or not, or, you know, people worry about their appearances or this or that and all these externals. The only thing that matters is what God says. And he says, you're mine, you're my child, I love you, I forgive you, join my family, you're on the way to heaven. That's the baseline for a good self-esteem. That's all you need. And that's what was happening to Peter with Jesus declaring who he would be. And that's all you need also. So let God declare over you what he says about your life. Let that be your basis for your identity, your self-esteem and the direction you take in life. Amen? So the second thing that we notice about Peter and the call on his life was that it was part of God's plan. Now, of course, that might seem obvious if you've been reading the Bible over the years and you've heard about Peter, but at first reading, it does seem rather random, this occurrence, this deal where Jesus just cruises by and calls this fisherman to follow him because Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher, and normally they would get someone who's a theological student or perhaps because of the destiny that he was looking for Peter to fulfil in being a, you know, a public speaker. He, you would think that he might have found someone who had come from a, perhaps a wealthy family who had afforded a good education in the classics, in oratory, so that he was prepared for public office and public speaking and none of that. Uh, at first appearance, it, it really just, just seemed a little random. But, of course, Jesus doesn't do things randomly and he's not your regular rabbi. He's God. He, he knows exactly what's going on. In fact, you may know a very well-known psalm, Psalm 139. David talks about how well God knows him, how God created him, and it applies to us as well. And he says to the Lord, Psalm 139, uh, verse 13, Lord, you created me, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that incredible? What a great concept. Not just physically, but every part of your unique character. Every person is completely different all throughout history, all because God has handmade. I mean, I made a bit of an effort with the men, <laughs> you know, hand-making the little leather key rings. Just extrapolate that out with a fair bit more talent, I may say. And, uh, and you've got God creating people. And you just have a few children of your own and you realise they're all different. You get the same mum and dad and a bunch of kids. The kids are so different. They're not at all, you know, they can have some similarities, but they're so unique. And each one of us, is created uniquely by God, and Jesus is God. So when Jesus comes up and calls Peter and says, come on, follow me, he's not just choosing some random. He created Peter. He knew him inside and out, and he knew his flaws. He knew the issues <laughs> and the dramas that were going to come, 
but he still called him. He still wanted him. He thought, that's okay. I've got this under control. I know what is going on. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And so for us, it means Jesus is not put off by your weaknesses. He knows you well, and yet he still calls you. He still loves you. He still wants you, just like he used Peter. And so he's not at all turned away or, you know, your weaknesses and issues and foibles and sins and whatever, none of that disqualifies you from the call and the love of God that comes from Jesus. And, you know, as you follow the Lord over the years, you will discover that there's some random stuff that goes on, apparently, that ends up making sense and you see, oh, that was really the call of God. Just like Peter might have thought, well, that was random. He just walked past and, oh, no, no, God's got it under control. He's, he's, got, he's got things working together. The Bible says he works all things together for good. If you're called, if you follow his call, all things. And that's, that's interesting because sometimes things don't seem good at all and yet he's working them together for good. Albert Einstein once said this, Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Isn't that cool? So God, you know, there are situations that, that you just think, that's a coincidence, that's really random. And later on you realise, oh no, that was part of God's plan. And some of those situations are really kind of unpleasant. They're really problematic. They're quite painful sometimes. And yet even those God turns them around, works it around, and, and you realise later, oh, wow, I've really grown through that painful experience. I'm a better person because of it. I've become more like Jesus. I've learned to forgive or grow in strength. Or, and actually, you know, if I hadn't been through that difficult time, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So that's God's plan, working in all kinds of situations. And so Peter, you know, he took on this new name, this calling, and in doing so, he stepped into a whole bunch of trouble. (laughs) His life could have been a lot more comfortable without this calling. But he also stepped into his God-given destiny. And that destiny, he discovered was, well, that was God's best plan for his life. And, uh, And may you do the same. All right, the third point about Peter's call. It related to his skills. Because Jesus says, okay, you're a fisherman, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And, uh, and on one hand, that's a, that's a radical kind of change of lifestyle for Peter uh, to leave behind his fishing business. But on the other hand, there's a connection to what he's familiar with, the concept of fishing, but also a connection to what his gifts are because Jesus being more than just cute with the phrase, he's not just throwing out the fisherman phrase, or should I say casting out the fisherman phrase, uh, you know, to, to kind of make it catchy. He, he's actually seeing the gifts because, as we said, he knows Peter pretty well. He sees the gifts that Peter has, gifts that may not have even come to fruition at that point, but he can see how they're going to be used by God, that Peter's actually going to become a great evangelist and a great apostle in the early church based on the God-given gifts that he had. And, of course, Jesus didn't do this just with Peter. He's done it all throughout history with every single person who responds to the call of God. He takes someone's existing talents 
He takes their uh, unique background, their current situation, and then he, he harnesses it all for God's purposes and for God's glory. So, you know, for example, you imagine someone who's a real people person who's maybe a salesman. You know, they've got the gift of the gab. They love connecting with others and they just love their work and they love meeting all kinds of people. When they come to faith, Jesus isn't going to say, okay, well, you can put all that behind you. You can kiss goodbye to all that people connection stuff. I'm going to call you to be a monk and I want you to go and join a monastery out in the middle of whoop-whoop and take a vow of silence and never speak to anyone again. (laughs) That's just not how God works. I think that's sometimes how people think God works, that, oh, okay, God is, I better become a Christian at one point, but I'm going to have, you ever heard this one? I'm going to have as much fun as I can first. And then on my deathbed, yeah, I'm not stupid. I want to go to heaven. So then I'll say sorry, but at least I'll have had all the fun. No. How do I say idiot politely? You got it all wrong. You have a better life giving it to God early on because he knows how you're made. He knows how you're wired together. He knows what's best for you. And so... The call of God is not this sort of ascetic, dreary, down experience where, oh, no, all right, you know, this terrible journey I'm going to go on to follow God. And, but no, no, this is where life's really at. And, uh, and so for that kind of person who's a real, you know, salesman kind of person, God's going to say to them, okay, great, we're going to harness that gift you've got, that way of connecting with people. And instead of just persuading them to buy something, you're going to persuade them to consider the claims of Christ and have their life changed forever and go to heaven. You know, I saw a documentary the other day uh, about Billy Graham. And uh, he grew up in uh, the Depression years in America. And uh, his first job to help him get through college uh, was as a salesman, door-to-door selling brushes to housewives in the Depression. Brushes. I mean, that's it. That's his range. Oh, we've got the shoe brush. We've got the hairbrush. I've got a brush for this and a brush for... I mean, brushes. I just think, really? How did you ever make a quid selling brushes in the Depression, going door to door? And, and he said he would literally put his foot in the door. They'd open the door. And he'd put the foot in the door. Hello. And he'd give him a free brush and try and... You know, talk. And he loved it. And he was the number one brush salesman <laughs> for that company in his state of North Carolina. Well, of course, the call of God was not just to be a brush salesman. No offence. If you're a door-to-door brush salesman, go for it. I'm sure, you know, that could be your calling. But for Billy Graham, as you may know, God called him to use those salesman-like gifts, if you like, to become an evangelist. And he went down in history as one of the greatest evangelists because he had that power of persuasion. He had a great charisma and God harnesses that, uses that, and then people go, wow, I, I, go, I went and heard him preach when I was a young Christian, 1979, out there, Randwick Racecourse, hundreds of thousands of people, the Bible says, you know, I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. We're hundreds of metres away from him. <gasps> I wanted to get born again again. I was already a Christian. I don't think I did go out, but I felt like, come on, you get out there. Why Everybody, listen, you know. Oh. So that's a gift. Now, of course, that may not be your gift. You might think, oh, I can't think of anything worse than speaking publicly in front of 10 people, let alone 10,000. Well, that's fine because we're all different. And so we've just got to find out 
what skills and gifts that I have got and then respond to the call of God and make them available for God to use. Because we've all got something. We've all, you know, some people are gifted to work with children. Some people think, ah, oh, ah, oh, I couldn't stand it. You know, some people love kids. And, um, and so we've got, you know, when we do meet physically, we've had people over the years who love to serve in kids' ministry, even if they don't have children of their own. And other people are given to hospitality, tough at the moment. I guess you can make meals and drive them around, drop them off, give them to people. But you use that gift and have people into your home. They're blessed by that. Others have got a real heart of mercy and they are compassionate and they, they are a great shoulder for people to cry on. Others are leaders. Others are teachers of the word. Others are generous because they're gifted and they maybe got a kind of a business gift and they make money, but they don't just keep it all to themselves. They're generous and give it to others and give to God's purposes. There's all different kinds of gifts we've got. And all of them can be and should be available for God to use as he calls us. Amen? All right, number four. The fourth thing about Peter's call is that he came to know that God's call was not just for himself but for others. He realised, wow, I, I, I'm called. I'm serving God. I, you know, I'm one, of the, I'm one of the 12. This is cool and all that. But he also saw other people and realised, wow, the call of God, as I've been saying, is not just for the, the preachers, not just for a few apostles, but for everyone with the gift that they've got. So 30 or so years after this initial call that Jesus gave him, Peter wrote. He wrote uh, at least two letters that are now part of the New Testament. And he probably wrote others, but we know God's hand was on him when he wrote these letters. And in the first epistle of Peter, or first Peter, chapter 2, verse 9, he said this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to you today, churches back then, but also every believer and follower of Jesus since, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has what? Called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. He's called you. And, and you read that throughout the New Testament. That phrase appears again and again, the call of God. And that applies to any Christian, anyone that will follow Jesus. And sadly, sometimes throughout church history, this concept of the call of God, this phrase is sort of related to only the, the Billy Grahams. Oh, the preacher or the famous pastor or evangelist. Or something. Oh, they've got the call of God. Oh, oh. Like we're all, you know, sheep of his flock and we're all, you know, following the Lord. But then sometimes for some people, uh, what, an angel appears and a voice comes from heaven with a light, da-da, I'm calling you to the nations. And, oh, wow, oh, wow, you know. Well, of course, God does call people like Billy Graham and they become famous and they have an amazing impact and there are some very gifted, charismatic, big people like Peter and, you know, famous, well-known. But every one of us is called. The call of God is for us all. And it might not be a famous life, but it can still be a great life. And, and so, you know, for example, for Ruth and myself, we felt the call of God. We went to Bible college and we thought, we're going to pastor a church. Or, or yeah, may, We kind of thought that's what we do, but we came to realise we'll do whatever. 
We'll just do, we just want to serve God. We just realised the call of God just meant obeying God, following God, figuring out who we are and how we can best use our gifts for His glory. And so when we finished Bible college, I went back to teaching. And we were counselled very wisely by some pastors who said, look, don't push the doors down to get into full-time ministry. If God's called you to do that, it'll happen. And so I went into teaching. I then went into banking and finance sector and thought, all right, I'll be, I'll, I had the braces, had the mobile phone back in the late 80s. I was a suit. I was like, yeah, I could do this, you know. After a while, yeah. yeah. And so there were, it wasn't right for me. Ruth was actually employed by the church we we're in in Sydney as a pastor. Oh, oh wow. I had the title on the door and all that. They put several pastors on and were planning for the church to grow and the finances kind of would pick up. Well, the finances didn't pick up, the church didn't grow. And so then they had to retrench those several pastors only some months later. So then she and I were having discussions about, well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, you st- we realised, well, we're still called by God. We're still going to love people and teach the Bible. We don't need a title or a position or a name on the office or whatever. And so, and of course, we ended up, you know, being pastors and preachers. But And you may too be called to do that or not. But God will have and does have a plan. And the main thing is just obedience, humility, submission and surrender to whatever he wants. And you take one step at a time and he'll show you. Amen. And so um, you just got to ask God, you know, what have you called me to? What is your call on my life? Not just my call which gets to the fifth thing about Peter, and that was his response to the call that Jesus gave. Because what did he do? He left everything and he followed Jesus. Immediately, it says, he left it all behind. He could have, but he didn't try to negotiate or you know, compromise or do a deal with Jesus. Okay, Lord, I get it. You're, you're, there's something about you. I, you're awesome. I want to follow you, but I've got this good fishing business. So what I'm going to do is I'm just, look, two days a week, I'll juggle things, I'll just give me your number, I'll be in touch. I'll, how about we just get on, you know, WhatsApp and sort of keep and I'll flow. No, he just left it all. He realised, okay, no, this is the call for me to follow completely. And if, because if you follow one person one way, it means you can't follow another person another way. You, you can't do it all. You've got to make a choice. If you go bushwalking or trail riding you're out there in the trails and there's an intersection and there's several different ways to go you can't take them all you've got to if you go this way it means you you can't go that way so you've got to say no to some things in order to say yes to the right thing and that's what Peter did he made his choice and it was a good one at that and so he had to walk away from stuff he had to sacrifice himself and the question in your life then, in your walk with God, is what have I left behind? What, what am I willing to sacrifice? Or, or could I give up some things if God called me to? Because sadly, some people just want God's blessing on their life just on their terms. They want the, the rights and the privileges of the relationship without any of the responsibility. And this, wow, come on, this attitude is so strong in our society, isn't it? It's, it's all about me. It's all about my happiness. The influences around us, is, it's encouraging a very self-centred approach to life. 
where, you know, I'm a consumer and I'll pay as little as possible to get the best deal I can in relationships, in church life, in my work approach. I'm not going to go beyond. I'm not going to go over and above. I'm not going to do more than I need to if no one's watching. It's a negotiated thing and it's all about my calling, my happiness, what I want, all about me. Wow. Well, that's... uh, That's the culture that we're in, but it's not the culture of the kingdom. God tips all that on his head. Jesus actually said to Peter and the other disciples at one stage, he said uh, in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. They all knew what that meant. That was a sign of crucifixion, of dying and follow me. For whenever, so whoever, I should say, for whoever should save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, that's kind of cool. First part of that verse sounds pretty brutal. Second part puts it all in perspective. Ah, so there is a sacrifice, there is a cost, but it's worth it because when you lose your life, ah, that's when you find a better one in Jesus. And that's what Peter discovered. And so rather than just flowing with this common mindset and paradigm in our culture and desperately chasing after and holding on to everything that I think I need for myself and my we we do so much better to just let it go and just give it all to God and and lay it all down and say God I I just I'll follow you I'll follow your call I'll give I'll give up everything I'll I'll do you know and of course most of the time we don't end up with some radical lifestyle change, but it will be a change of heart, change of motivation. And for Peter, of course, it was a radical journey that went on in a, in a pretty crazy way. I mean, but he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have changed a thing. Uh, according to tradition, Peter was... Uh, you know, martyred for his faith, crucified by Emperor Nero. But you can guarantee when they were leading him away to the cross, he wasn't thinking, oh, I wish I had stayed as a fisherman. Could have been there on the shores of Galilee, kicking back right now in my retirement with my little beach shack, have a little paddle board, meet with the mates, have a skinny chai latte at the cafe, maybe another little cycle around the lake later in the day. No, no, no. He was thinking, whatever. I'm so glad I did it this way. Bring it on. Here comes glory. <laughs> and so that's probably not the way you're going to go out, but you are going to go out one day. And so how are you going to live your life on this earth in the meantime? As I said, you know, not all Christians become famous, but all Christians have the responsibility to give their lives to the call of God and the opportunity to live a great life, whether many people know about it or not. I'm convinced when you get to heaven, you know, tradition says Peter's meeting you there at the gates. It's not in the Bible, just Christian folklore. But, you know, let's say Peter meets you at the pearly gates and starts showing you around. I guarantee there'll be some people you go, look, wow, look at that mansion over there. I guess that person, I guess I'll know their name. Oh, no, you've never heard of it. That's Mavis. What? Oh, yeah, Mavis, the, the homemaker. Oh, well, what did she do? Oh, she prayed. And? No, no, she prayed. She prayed really well. She prayed. She was a witness in her, you know, neighbourhood. She prayed a lot. Oh, what about this mansion? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Jacko the tradie. 
Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was a good father. And, uh, uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, no, it's pretty much it. He had a good, you know, good business, local business, and was a great witness, great witness to all his mates all around the community. Yeah, no, he didn't become famous, but you hear what I'm saying. And so that's the call of God. For each one of us, it's different. And uh, I believe there'll be millions of Christians in heaven who will have followed the call of God and not famous like Peter, but still a touch of greatness and glory on their life because of their obedience to God. And I trust that you'll be there with the same mark upon your life. And you'll hear those great words, well done, good and faithful servant, because you obeyed the call of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's pray. And I'll ask the band to come and lead us in another song. And I think Ruth's preaching next week on the life of Peter. Uh, So let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for this life that we uh, read about in Peter and also the life that we all get to lead. And we want to follow the call of God. We want to follow you wherever you lead. And I pray that everyone is able to do that. And if you've never given your life to Christ for the first time or as a recommitment to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus, and I encourage you to do so, you can contact us. We can pray a prayer with you, send you a Bible and some other literature to know what it is to really be a Christian in relationship with God. In Jesus' name, your blessing upon every listener and viewer here today. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.